you know, here I am a, a pastor full time, like this is my job. And I had these doubts that I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't voice because I'm the one that's supposed to have the answers. For 10 years, I was a leader in this stuff. Like I bought into it, I believed it, I encouraged other people to follow it. And now that I'm out of it, I'm like, what was I doing? Here I was, a 19-year-old white girl, going into in a, a different culture on the other side of the planet, thinking I knew everything. And now 10 years later, I look at it and I'm like, holy shit. Like, at best, I hope they forgot me. This is the airing of grief. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual D and reconstruction. Season 2, Episode 11. In Our Wake. I used to be a professional Christian, and it was weird how what I said mattered and held sway simply because it was me saying it. I was a pastor, but I always hated that title. I never felt comfortable using it until I'd already left the job. After I was ordained, there were church people who started calling me pastor almost reverently, and it made me feel so small. But the men around me with jobs like mine all seemed to relish it. They referred to themselves with that title whenever they could, kind of like they always needed to remind everyone, or like it made them bigger. I think it just made me nauseous. I walked away from that life, but I can never simply walk away from the results of living it where other people are concerned. There is plenty I remember that stings to think back on now. There is plenty I regret. For a few years, I sold dogmatic certainty pretty well. I regret that. Theologically, I towed the line on a lot of poisonous evangelical viewpoints. I wasn't a fire and brimstone guy, but I still taught hell as a place of eternal torment. I still taught salvation as an escape from that hell. I still led sinners' prayers to get more butts into heaven. I still talked a lot about love before I'd ever experienced it. A love without justice, a vaporous love from a pulpit unconcerned with racism, sexism, homophobia, and the exploitation and violence of its own empire. For some years, I put the full weight of my life and passion behind an institution which inflicts theological trauma and disembodiment, and which grovels at the feet of a fundamentally angry, petty, arbitrary, violent, aloof, and narcissistic God. I regret a lot of that. I don't regret my own journey. I don't regret who I'm now equipped to be in challenging these same things, but I regret some of what happened in my wake. I wonder a lot about people who I encouraged into patterns of unhealthy thinking and religiosity. I worry about the ones who picked up the torch of my dogmatic certainty or were influenced by it in any way. And I wonder if they're still stuck there. I wonder if they always will be. I wonder if I might have played a part in enslaving anyone to guilt and shame and fear narratives which they might never be able to shrug off. 
I think about how I may have contributed to a poison, they will never be strong enough to stop seeing as the remedy. I think about that a lot. Hello. Hi. Is this... this is. Hello. How's it going? It's uh, it's going all right. Oh, good. That's lovely to hear. Um, <laughs> well, hi. Nice to meet you. I'm Jamie. Uh, I'm. <laughs> hello. Hello. Um, the way I've been kind of just directing it a little bit on my calls, at least, is um, would love to hear, you know, just kind of obviously about who you are, about your story, and yeah. then, you know, how you found your way to the podcast, um, and then kind of what prompted you or inspired you to want to call in and chat with one of us. Yeah. So I, I think from the, the moment I became a Christian, when I was like in seventh grade, I feel like I was always in leadership. Like I just mm. always went there, always thought that my youth pastors, you know, uh, junior high and then high school and then in college were like the coolest people there were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always was jumping in there and always wanted to do it. And then when I graduated college, I went to work for a pretty well-known evangelical college ministry and was there for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I exited, I, it was, uh, not a super great way to depart. Um, they kind of as gently as they could kicked me out. Um, a, ge- a gentle kicking, huh? <laughs> yeah. They, you know, uh, to their credit, they, um, they were like, you don't seem like you're doing so well. The people you're leading aren't doing so well. You should take a sabbatical and basically like, think about wow. what you've done and see if you want to come back. Oh my or not. god! So they did give me a six month sabbatical, which okay. I'm very grateful for. Yeah, uh, that was nice. But about a month into it, I was like, I'm not coming back. Hmm. Um, and what was it that, that was making you not do so well? Well, so I, you know, I don't think I knew. I, I, I don't think hmm. I was really aware of it. Um, mm-hmm. And and this is one of the things that I think when when I removed the part of my life where I had to do ministry because it was mm. my job and it right. was my livelihood, then I was finally able to go, wait a minute, I didn't really want to be doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 really hard when your livelihood and your paycheck is attached to something like your faith. Oh, I just, yeah. It's, it's rough. Um, and so that was, I, I would say that was like the inciting incident of my, mm-hmm. you know, deconstruction. And yeah. I, I kind of sat on it for a, for a few years, just trying to like figure out what to do for a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was when the airing of grief started. Uh, I think I followed Derek on Twitter or something and he was like, Hey, check this podcast out. And I was like, Oh, I'll listen to a podcast where he mm-hmm. talks. And then, and I listened to it. And I think that was this thing that just suddenly gave me permission to own it mm, and to yeah. go, Yeah, you know, I think it's a lot of people. They're like, they hear other people going through it and they're like, Oh, yeah, that's how I feel. Yes. And um, uh, so I really, I, that's where I was able to go, You know what? I'm not sure what, if any of this, I believe anymore. Mm-hmm. And I I feel largely okay admitting that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really helpful. And then I've just been like devouring other <laughs> like um, podcasts and things where people are talking about what's it like to lose your faith and what's yeah. it like to kind of reconstruct something. So you've shown up on many of those. So mm-hmm. I was gonna say, which ones have you? Oh, specifically been going for? like specifically evangelical okay. and. Um, 
uh, Life After. I love the Life After guys. Oh, cool. Yeah, those guys, we've, we've known each other for like ten, over 10 years. Oh, that's In fun. Fact, Brady sent me a message the other day saying that um, our 10-year Facebook friend anniversary <laughs> was like three or four days ago. It's wild. Again, and we're kind of like, if we had told 2008 us that we would be Seriously. here now, yeah. never would have believed it. And I suspect ah, there's got to be people that I grew up with or that I worked with that are in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm just figuring like, how do I, how do I find them in a way that like doesn't make a big deal out of it? Right. It's so hard because every, per and I know this is probably, you probably heard every person on every one of these podcasts say this, but yeah. we all feel like we're totally alone when we're doing yeah. it. And, and it's like, and I no, felt we're just not talking about it with each other. Hmm. Yeah. And I felt that less and less. I've, you know, I've joined all the Facebook groups and yeah. I'm just lurk there all day waiting for a post that I'm like, oh yeah, I want to chime in on that. <laughs> um, so uh, I feel less and less alone, but if, as far as in person, I'm like, oh, it would be so nice to have a couple of people around here who I could just hang out with periodically, grab a beer, and just, you know, what are, mm -hmm. we, what are we learning about ourselves now? Yeah, you know, because and, we used uh, to just you sit around and talk about what we were learning about God. And so now, yeah. since we don't have that, it's, I think what you just said resonated on that level of like, what are we learning about ourselves? Yeah, um, so and as, and as far as like, you know, the, the thing of the airing of grief, I'm like, what? There's so much I could talk about in these 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So like I'd even focus. Yeah. But I, I'm one thing I'm wrestling, one piece of it is like for 10 years, I was I was a leader in this stuff. Like I yeah. I um, I bought into it. I believed it. And I encouraged other people to follow it. And now that I'm out of it, I'm like, what was I doing? Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that I was like, I hear horror stories of people. And I'm like, I am so glad that that, that was not my experience. Like, mm. you know, but there's still plenty where I'm like, ah, but I, I encourage people like this to, we, we weren't about like fear of hell. That was never our thing, Sure. but it was really like, following Jesus is the best way to live your life and it's worth making sacrifices for. Like mm. that was kind of it. And that felt a little, I think, more palatable than mm -hmm. like, believe this so you're going to burn or forever. Or you'll burn. Yeah, just a yeah. teensy bit. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it still comes with a cost and I'm, I'm realizing mm. that cost in my own life about how many mm. things that I was like, I like this, but it's yeah. going to get in the way of me leading a Bible study so I should probably not mm. do it and lead yeah. the Bible study, you know, or, uh, students who I was with who are really into their, you know, programs in, in their, in college. And I'm like trying to find ways to get them to be less involved in their school so they could be more involved with what we're doing. Mm, wow. Um, or it's not good enough to just, um, join that club right or to just be in your dorm and make friends you always have to be like how do i influence them how can i be on Jesus? mission and witnessing yeah yes. yeah, yeah yeah um and i'm like i hope that there is not this like trail of destruction in my wake <laughs> i mean i laugh but i've thought the same 
thing. I, maybe I'm partially laughing yeah. because I'm like, ah, 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 me too. Um, yeah, well, no, laughing as a defense real. mechanism yes. is something I'm well acquainted yep. with. Yep, mm-hmm. diffusing <laughs> through humor, yes. Um, no, I've thought of that in, in also on the level of I the type of leadership I did or was, you know, as a woman permitted to do, um, was very, uh, cross-cultural missions based. Mm -hmm. So that really irks me out now because I'm like, now I know what the word colonialism means. And (laughs) that is some shit. So I'm like, what kind of, so that exactly that phrase you said of like, what like trail of destruction have I left in my wake? I've had that thought before too. Cause I'm like, here I was a 19 year old white girl going into in a, a different culture on the other side of the planet, thinking I knew everything and feeling inappropriately and grossly empowered to move through right. that culture as if I knew everything. And now 10 years later, I look at it and I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah. I seriously, I at best, I hope they forgot me. Truly. Like, I really yeah. hope I did not make any sort of... It's the exact opposite of the way I felt at the time, which is, I hope I'm making an impact. And I'm like, I hope right. I did nothing. I hope that I, you know... You just I can't, one, like a sea, one of a sea of yeah, white faces who just come in. Absolutely. And... That's, yes, absolutely. And I hope it's like campsite rules. Like, I hope that's maybe against <laughs> yeah. my own self. I left it better than yeah. I found it somehow because I hate thinking about that. So I'm, I mean... I'm a hundred percent there with you on that of thinking about like this, like ripple effect of the, you know, influence we had at the time. And now yeah. we're kind of like, we're like we're trying to rein it all in and be like, no, 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 please don't, don't take me seriously on that. I'm really sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, uh, and, and I think some things I'm thinking about specific to my context was, you know, you're working with college students yeah. and, you do not know who's going to show up in your group and you don't know what they're bringing. Hmm. And uh, there are people who were carrying some stuff that we were just grossly unprepared to deal with and and ill-equipped to deal with. You know, people who have just like incredible amounts of trauma in their life. Yeah. And we're just like, no, it's, you know, it's going to be the best thing for you is like, trying to like lead people and lead a Bible study. Right. And, and, Mm. um, I just like that now feels like, no, you did not need us. You did not Mm. need to be in this group. You needed a doctor. Yeah. You needed a therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We had Mm. this one girl who was like, when she was on, she was the best. And, you know, she was like reaching out to her friends, bringing the Bible study, people becoming Christians. And I'm like, holy crap, this girl is amazing. Yeah. And then the next school year starts and she moves back in the dorms and has a total like nuclear meltdown with mm. her roommate and just can't even deal with anything. And I'm like, what is going on? And I find out later, you know, she's bipolar. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And I had no idea how to recognize that, how to right. help with that. And that's one of these things that gets me is I'm like, uh, what I, I, well, one of the things that I had to kind of wrestle was like, okay, if I'm honest with myself, I don't actually think Jesus is going to heal this person. Right. Like, I, I don't. Yeah. And I actually think like, you could say, oh, you know, let's pray and get you help with a doctor. Okay, fine. <laughs> but like, if you cut out the prayer, they still the get the help the of the same. doctor. Yeah. yeah and but then if you do pray, then you try and be like, oh, look, look what God did. And it's like, no, yeah. that was their doctor. You know, and uh, I I feel like even since I'm like, uh, it's just, I'm, I shudder thinking about that. Or this mm-hmm. guy, like we knew who 
when he was a kid, he got hit by a bus, so his, you know, he just has lots of physical mm. impairments there. And we're at this like two week urban project where we're learning about, let's learn about like healing prayer and things oh, like that. No. So like, let's pray for this guy. And we're praying for oh. him for like 10 or 15 minutes. And there's this piece of me that is going, this is awful. That what fucking are... ableism. It is like, you are not well, whole or complete unless you are yeah, and, I mean, in a that body we recognize as far. well. We just, sure. That was so far from our minds even thinking about yes. you know, a thing like ableism. Of course. But it's, it's like, Jesus heals people yeah. like this in the yeah. Bible. And so Jesus can obviously do what he did then now. So let's try it. Yep. And we go. And at some point I have to call out. I'm like, okay, we're going to stop. And then I see him for like three more days, like physically trying to stretch out his hand to like make it work. And I'm like, Ugh. oh my God, like what did you do? Like wow. this is, and then, you know, I think that that's one of the things that like should have been enough to me go, this is something off here. But like, sure. again, this is my livelihood. And so I was in it for another like nine years. Mm. <laughs> and, and now that I'm out, I'm like, ah, that's, I don't think that's helpful at all. <laughs> do you feel like, um, do you feel like when you were in it and like, cause it sounds like this, you know, this 2020 hindsight of like what I know now and what I really didn't yeah. have the permission to see then, do you feel like what you, the line that you had to walk was kind of an impediment to developing true empathy for people in their situations? Um, I, uh, I mean, I think so, but I, I think I never super bought into what we were doing. I did it because, like, that's what we were kind of supposed to do. Yeah. Like, I don't – but I do think as far as being able to see someone and recognize, oh, there's actually a lot going on with you. Mm -hmm. And and I'm aware of my own limitations as a leader. Like, you're welcome mm -hmm. to be a part of this group. But I got to tell you, like, what, you, what you're really going to need is, like, a good therapist. Yeah. And, yeah. like, that's – that's really what you need and that's okay. Like if, mm. you know, I, I just don't, I don't think I was, uh, I don't know that we were taught to go to like, actually there's people who shouldn't be a part of your group <laughs> because what you're doing <laughs> right. is going to be really unhelpful for them. Yes. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, but mm. then of course, then that raises the question of like, well, then our group is inadequate to deal with whatever issues we're facing. Which then means and, that the way, and which means that God is God is, not yes. able to deal with this. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, if you start pulling at that thread, the whole thing. Right, and I was really, I, I, I can look back and see all kinds of little moments. Like, okay, this is the image I've been using. Have you seen the new Spider-Man movie? I haven't. Okay, there's a scene in it where the bad guy's like launching this thing around a warehouse, and mm -hmm. it's knocking out pillars one by one. And Spider-Man's like, you're not even hitting me. What the heck? You know. And then eventually he hits the last pillar, and the whole thing comes crumbling down. Hmm. And I was like, you know what happened was I had my faith was like supported by all these pillars. And one yeah. by one, you know, I have this like, hey, this is this kind of prayer. It's not helpful for that guy. Boop, yeah. there's, a, there's a pillar that comes out. Or like, mm. I actually don't think being gay is wrong. Boop, there's a pillar that comes out. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't think that teenagers exploring their sexuality is really all that bad. Don't, you know, and like all these things. And then... But the pillar that kept it up was I have to do this because yeah. this is my I have to toe this line and this is where my paycheck comes from. And then I when that was removed, like everything wow. just fell. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the image I've been going with. 
That's and solid. I feel like that that's an image that probably not only resonates with a lot of people in general, but I'm sure a lot of people that were in your same position. Um, I know even a, a few clients of mine who were in that uh-huh. position and that was their last. It's so hard to get over that last hurdle of what do I do after this? This pays my bills. Like it's yeah. starting to unravel, but that's so scary to consider because what's oh, totally. on the other side of this? And I think there's a part of me that always knew as soon as I start pulling on one of these threads, yeah. it's going. Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. And and so that I I couldn't really really own how I was thinking and feeling about right. stuff. Yeah. Because my my paycheck is there, and you know, yeah. and that's yep. that sucks. Mm, man. Well, yeah. So much of this resonates um, with myself, and then with so many other people that I talk to. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate you calling in and sharing your story with. I want to say us, but you know, I mean, yes, us, well, us, yeah. the collective, we, all of us. Cool. Um, yeah, I really appreciate. Well, and it. I you. really appreciate the work you guys do in the podcast. I, from what I've heard of the work that you specifically do, Jamie, mm. I think it's awesome. Mm, um, thank you. I I do follow you on Twitter and stuff. So I'm oh, like, cool. oh man. Well, hopefully, I haven't yelled yeah. at you. Well, Been I, I, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> no, you haven't. And okay, I, good. I try really hard to not get yelled at. Okay. But um, <laughs> please give my best to Derek. Um, yes, I, I will. He, he has really been a soundtrack for me for like 20 years. Mm, so yeah, um, if you, if he ever comes and tours the Northwest or Portland, I'm there. Oh, for sure. Uh, yes, he, I know he will be there at some point. I know that for sure. All right. Yes. Well, great. Well, please keep up the good work. Give my best to the team and thanks for chatting. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much. All right. Is this? It is. Hey, man, it's Derek. How's it going? Hey, good. Good. Thanks for taking a few minutes to chat. Yeah, thanks for uh, for doing this. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, as you may know, we've got about ten minutes. So, tell me your story. Yeah. Well, you may be uh, you yourself may be partially familiar with this story. We, I came to the Crying Wolf a couple times uh, recently. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm Garrett from Kentucky. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so basically... I'm really glad that we're speaking here then. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to share um, really about what it's like from somebody who's a, a member of the clergy or a, a pastor, because that's that's where I come from. That's my background. Mm. Um, and so <clears throat> I guess basically my my basic story is not unlike others in the sense of was raised in church, um, live in the South, um, never missed, you know, Sunday, Wednesday, that sort of thing. Um, felt called to the ministry, uh, you know, late high school, early college, went to a conservative Southern Baptist college for undergraduate degree, got a degree in biblical studies, graduated, and became a youth pastor. Um, 
and honestly, some of my doubts and and the beginnings of my unraveling happened at um, seminary. Mm, right. That's Learn right. learning, you know, how the Bible was put together. That was something I was never taught as a kid. You know, it's just kind of like nobody ever asked those questions, and if they were asked, nobody really had an answer because maybe they just didn't know. Uh, but, you know, learn about textual criticism and things like that, because my growing up uh, the way that I did, it was the Bible is inerrant, it's infallible. It doesn't contradict itself. And if those things aren't true, then how can anything else be true? And so when I learned about how the Bible was pieced together, it was kind of a revelation of, wait, what? Hmm. Like there's there's discrepancy here or certain scholars think differently. You know, this wouldn't. You mean the Bible wasn't passed down on a cloud, you know, from God and the KJV and said, here it is. Right. Um, Some people actually do believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Which is, which even then. The King James, the 1611 is actually a new revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The authorized version, you know. That's right. That's right. Uh, So so some of that started to creep in as you were learning about it. Yeah. So I became a youth pastor and then at a, a traditional church and that sort of, fell apart after a couple of years in the sense of the pastor and I were asked to leave because we, we tried to do some more um, modern things as far as music and just kind of the vibe and folks didn't like that, you know, it was their church or whatever. So we, we planted a church in a local, uh, in a nearby town. And um, I became the associate pastor there, which basically I was a kind of jack of all trades type of guy and, uh, whatever, and that was 2011 when we started the church. Right. Okay. So time goes on, and about three and a half years ago, I personally started to struggle with more doubt, um, and, and this doubt had always been something that had been there in the back of my mind. You know, here I am, a, a, a pastor full time, and like this is my job, mm-hmm. and I had these doubts that I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't voice mm-hmm. because. I'm the one that's supposed to have the answers, right? You know, the people are coming to me asking questions and I know, I, I knew the answers to give, right? I knew the, the, you know, if, if person asks question a, then here's the answer. If person asks question B, here's the answer. Sure. Right. That was and, the role you were in. Yeah. Right. And even if someone asked me a question, maybe one of the questions I had myself of is God real? How can I know God is real? Um, all those sorts of things. It's like, I had the rote, thing yes. to say, okay, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, but, you did have the answers. Right. <laughs> in as far as there are answers uh, that we say, that there is language yeah. that we can put around it to make ourselves kind of feel better, you, you had oh, you had that in spades. Yeah, and it didn't make me feel any better. No. You know, it, it might have worked for some of them. I don't, I don't know that. Um, but anyway, so uh, three and a half years ago, I, it just really hit me. I was getting burnt out at mm-hmm. the church. Um, I had a son who was, he was not, he wasn't two yet. He was about a year old. And so life was busy and I'm kind of a yes man. Yeah. I don't, I have trouble saying no, mm-hmm. uh, when people need help, sure. can you help me with this project, that sort of thing. And at the church, I just said yes to everything. Yeah. And so I was on every committee, every ministry, you know, I was all in and I got burnt out around yeah. that time. And, and I, I got to the place where I was begging God, like, I need you, you know, I need something. Yeah. Like, I need substance. I need fuel. Like, I, I'm, I just felt emptied out. Yeah. And there was no answer. 
Yeah. And there continued to be no answer. Yeah. And it was really, it was really tough. And at the time, I had a mentor, a guy who'd been a pastor for a really long time. He, he went to our church, but he wasn't on staff there. And I used to meet with him weekly, and I remember talking to him about it. And, and I remember <clears throat> I told him, I was, you know, I don't, I told him, I don't want to be the, the fake, empty, hypocritical pastor. Yes. I, like, I just, I can't do it, you know, and, and I think part of my, falling apart at that time was I felt like I was headed that direction yeah. and I, I couldn't get off those tracks. And, and so I told him that, and, and I thought, I thought at the time I needed to be more spiritual, you know, I need to pray more, read mm-hmm. more. And so that's what I did. But, um, but see, reality, that's all, and that's all effort you can shoulder from your side, but you're sure. still receiving silence on the other end of the line. Oh yeah. You know, oh, so yeah. It, it's, yeah. So that's rough. Yeah. I was, I just felt like I was just, you know, digging ditches, putting the, putting yes. the work in, breaking my back yes. and nothing in return. Right. And so about it, sometime after that, I decided I couldn't be a paid Christian anymore. <laughs> right. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, you know, I, I still wanted to be a pastor at the church, but I, thought, I can't do this for a job because I was getting to the point where I was like, am I doing this stuff because I feel called to or because they pay me to do it? Yeah. And so I started the process to go back to school. I went back to school to start a new profession. I was still pastor paid until about a year ago. And, and I kept, I've been a pastor since then. I still, the same role, cut back some of the uh, responsibilities. But anyway, so I kind of pulled the ripcord there on my income. Cause I think I saw the writing on the wall, even then, that this was about that same time, three and a half years ago. And at the time I told my wife, I can't do this anymore because I don't, I, I think the way I worded to her was I don't care enough about the ministry. And I've always been told if you, if you, right, you know, you got to be called whatever. But what I really should have said is I don't believe enough because that was the truth. And then um, time goes on and, and I, my faith deteriorates more and more as time goes by. And I, again, I don't talk to anybody about it because I didn't know who I could talk to about it hmm. um, without ha- causing somebody else to have some sort of existential crisis. Sure. Um, so about a year ago, I just had to level with myself. It was, it was last March or so where I, I remember it pretty clearly. I was just, I think I was driving down the road and I just thought, I think I'm an atheist. Hmm. Like, I really don't think I believe anymore at all. And I'm a pastor. I'm on the stage every week. I'm leading people. People are asking me questions. Like, right. I'm, I lead worship. I, pray, you know, yeah. all these corporate things. And, and whether I, like, it's true every, or not, you start to feel kind of an existential burden, like a, like a, oh, maybe yeah. like some, a real danger. Like, I don't, I shouldn't be doing this. Because either, yes. either it, it is true and I'm doing it falsely and there's, yeah. that's perilous, or it's not true. And I'm doing it falsely, and that's also perilous, you know. Like, right. it's just danger on every side once you realize that. Yeah, and so around that time, I, I really, it really started to weigh heavy on me. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, of course, I guess the first step is to just I had to level with myself, and um, 
and it took me about six months to tell anybody else. Oh, yeah. And in, in, in the meantime, I was still doing all the same things. Sure. Um, just beating me down. And then I told my wife in October um, on our anniversary, actually, which was probably not the best choice. But, um, you know, she was very upset, um, cried a lot. And, and was she? Still, did, did she? Was she even remotely resonant in terms of like? No. You know, I, I I feel this sometimes too, but but maybe let's slow it down. Let's do it together. I mean, was there any? Um, no. Uh-uh. Yeah. And it's and it's still not great in that respect. I mean, it's it's a point of contention. Yeah. Um, that's that's been really difficult because she wa- she says she wants to understand, but she doesn't want me to explain it. others I know from what they've said they they're afraid that my doubts will land on them hmm. almost like you know, it's, uh, yeah like it's catching right like it's some some uh, virus yeah. but uh, then I, I told her in October I told my best friend in November and turned out he was having the same thoughts and feelings which yes. has been really helpful yes um, for me especially here you know when uh, a rural part of the country not a lot of these type of conversations going on. Right. Um, and so that's been really great. Yes. And, um, so that brings me to this year. And then in February, I just, you know, came to the point where I'm just kind of asked myself, why, what, why am I doing this? You know, yeah. who am I helping? And I told, uh, some on the board at church and I told the board and of course they were really cool. You know, I'm friends with those guys. And they asked me to step down, and I said, of course, you know. Right. Um, and since then, you know, I, I stopped going to church about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time in literally in my entire life where I have just chosen not to go to church. Right. Um, where it wasn't because I was sick or out of town. It's just like I'm just at home. And it's weird. You know, I've I talked to my, my friend about this. It's leaving the faith is not hard for me. It's leaving the community that's, that's exactly the right. killer. Uh, because I don't have another community. You know, I don't have friends outside of the church. I guess when you're in that sort of uh, mindset, it's like, well, why would I have friends outside of the church? These people know me. They get me. And now suddenly they don't. Right. And it's really hard. Well, and are, and, and are actually fearful of you. Oh yeah. And yeah, you yeah. know, which, which is a real, at a moment where you really, of all moments would need them to, you know, and I understand it from both sides. I really do. Sure. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I'm not trying to throw a community under the bus, but it's like, yeah, the unfortunate thing is the way it's, it's really not even their fault. The, the way that the, the theological dynamics come into play here and you start to, when you don't know what to do emotionally, you kind of go to biblical guardrails and kind of to give you like your oh shit right you know kit is yeah. like what do we do and you tend to not lead with your instincts and your compassion and your gut you tend to say well oh god what does the bible say because i mean this is this is this is dangerous territory and the bible says maybe we excommunicate maybe we withhold right. community in order to for someone to be restored which is the most fucking backwards i mean excommunicate. Yeah. I, I mean i'm not going to quote my own lyrics but that's like that right. whole excommunication <laughs> idea makes no sense yeah but it's um, I I mean I get what they're trying to accomplish, but it seems 
antithetical to Christian Christianity to me. It's like right. you're going to treat someone who is actually part of your community and in an intense season of grief and doubt with less love and welcome than you treat a perfect stranger coming in to your doors off the street who you know yeah. nothing about. That makes yeah. no sense. Right. Um, and if, if I was coming the other way, if I was an atheist and I came to the church, they, they they'd be stoked. Yeah. They'd be like, woohoo, look at it. this. We, we got a non-Christian friend finally. <laughs> right. Um, well, so tell uh, the church was the church. Honestly, besides telling my wife, telling my parents was one of the hardest things. And that happened around the same time as telling the church. And my parents go to my to my church. Well, I don't go to church anymore. But, you know, they they attended the church that I was pastor at. Right. And and I love my parents. My parents are great, you know, but they in particular have said some very unintentionally hurtful things. Yeah. And they're not the only ones. I mean, out of care, I'm sure, and out of fear. Yeah. People from the church, you know, I've got things like, uh, well, my my brother recently uh, dealt with some mental illness and was institutionalized. Right. And he recently, you know, he, he came out and he's doing great now. And my mother, when I told her this, said something to the effect of, I feel like I just got one son back and now I've lost another. Yeah. You know, and she told me that they couldn't go back to church there because it feels like there was a death in the family. And I understand what she's saying, but it doesn't make it any less shitty feeling. Yeah. You know? And, you know, there's been other folks like that at the church who, you know, somebody told me that they were afraid for me because they were taught that if, if somebody left the faith, that God would get them, you know, <laughs> the God, the, the God, the boogeyman would, would take them out. And I'm like, Which, well, if that's boy, the that's, you believe in, then, that, yeah, then I mean, that, talk about know, God's I, kindness leading, leading us to repentance. That's uh, right. That sounds like that's going to work. Yeah. Um, and so it's been hard. There, there are times where I feel like I'm reevaluating literally every part of my life, um, including my friendships, relationships, my marriage. And it's tough. And And unfortunately having to do that in relative isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Which just sucks. Like this is the moment you need. Like these are the moments that all the rest of the time, all of when community is easy and it's working, that's all like the, the practice and the warm up for when it really when you really need it to kick in, which is now. Right. And it's like what people are doing in their churches when there is not, you know, tension and drama and is like the firemen sitting around the station playing blackjack and, and watching TV. It's like when the right. fucking bell goes off and you got to jump into your uniform and jump in the truck and go put a fire out. That's when community matters. Not when it's easy. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, this is when you need it right now. And you're, and it sounds as though, and from other conversations that we've had, it sounds like you are having to navigate this completely alone and yeah. without the benefit yeah. of your community, which, you know, which is, makes it even harder. Yeah, it, it is tough. And there are times where I feel like I'm drowning, you know, where I just, I don't know who I am. I don't know right where my relationships stand with people and the people that are even closest to me. Um, but then there are days where I feel like I'm finally above water and I'm like, Oh, you know, this is actually really healthy. This is, we're going to a good place. And I, and I know that, 
but it is it's uh, yeah it's distressing sometimes um, absolutely you know and, and to look back and to see you know I, I hear people say all the time if I could go back and change some you know all these things I wouldn't change a thing and I look back on my life and I think I would almost change everything <laughs> right which is really like I don't know how that makes me feel but it's not a great you know it's not I, a great feeling, yeah but well and what what I can say that I hope is an encouragement to you being on the other side of, you know, having finally climbed my way out of the huge cavernous, you know, uh, indention into the earth that has been the last, you know, so many years of my life right. navigating my way through some of this, that I am now at a point, cause I, for a long time could have at least said the same thing about some particular moments and and where i am now and where i keep coming back to is um that every bit of who i am today which is a person who i like i mean i'm i'm uh i'm happy to be where i am and i'm i'm grateful right. for what i have and i'm every bit of how i've gotten here got me here um, yeah. and is part of having made me who I am as I, as, as we speak now. And I'm grateful for that. And if you, and if I was to change any one thing, even the very painful things and the really hard things and the things that felt like years of wasted time, if I'm tempted to believe that right. any, any one of those things being changed for the better, uh, you know, a, a, a half a degree difference in my trajectory 10 years ago could have had me a thousand miles off course now from where I am. And I don't wish yeah. that. And right. I, I think, and I hope that you will find your way. I mean, you're really, dude, you're in the throes of it right now. I mean, you're, yeah. this is the hardest part. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that you'll get to a point where you are able to look back on it and say, you know, that's all part of what got me here. And I think here is an okay place. I mean, it took me a while right. to feel as though here was okay. Um, yeah. It took me a I, long I, time. I think I will. I, I, I really think do think too. that I will feel that way. And maybe as soon as a year from now. That's kind of, I keep looking at, okay, a year from now, a year from now. Right. It's, you know, things are going to be settled, hopefully. But it is, right. I, I do feel like I'm in the throes of it. And there, there are things I look back in the past of, of sort of the Christian indoctrination that have had some real toxic consequences on my life. Some yeah. that I didn't really get into. Um, yeah. but it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard, yeah. but it, I think it's worth it. I yeah. mean, and if, if only for the sense I've felt like a divided person for right. a few years and I can't live that way anymore right. and, and be healthy no, as a human that's, being. That's right. No, you can't. Time yeah, it's, it's your on. desperate attempt to reintegrate, to yeah. be, to be one person in one body again. Yeah, and on the outside, you know, other people, I, I know this for a fact, probably feel like my life is falling apart. Um, but to me, I feel like it's coming back together. It's just really coming back together, yeah. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it'll be a process, but yeah, it's it's what I'm willing to say. I, I, I just, you know, I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk on the record, yeah. so to speak. I mean, we spent yeah. some time together and I, I have been really moved by and encouraged by in many ways your story and, and your, your strength and your willingness to, to
take the harder path, which is to acknowledge it and, and, to, and, and deal with it and process it head on and to bring people into it with you and to own it, um, take responsibility for it, which I've seen you do. And so I'm grateful to have our, a conversation on the record. And I know we've got a yeah. lot more in our future. Um, and, yeah. and I, anyway, I, so it's, it's very, it's very appreciated. And, uh, well, I appreciate you. Very yeah, much. man. Well, we've got a lot more to, a lot more road ahead. And, uh, yeah. so hang in there for now. And thanks so much again yeah. for taking a few minutes. Thank you, man. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good day. See you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We try to be intentional with each episode in a lot of different ways, with each week a contrast or development to the previous episode as we continue to press on. We hope that intentionality is clear to anyone listening. It's why we followed up the Sacred Feminine episode with these particular voices. From a celebration of the part of humanity most likely to be repressed and neglected, to some stories of detox from those on the other side of that world and its binaries. Release from the strong current of patriarchal structures which some of us became caught up in as leaders. The necessity of letting go to learn to listen, learn empathy, learn nurture. A reckoning with the path behind us and what we left there. There's great freedom in joining humanity as a balanced whole. Without the anxiety of having to dominate everything, Nelson Mandela said, the oppressed and the oppressor alike are both robbed of their humanity. Inequality diminishes everyone. If this episode or any other has meant something to you, we want to encourage you to share the podcast with someone you know. Show them an episode you think connects to their story. There's peace in processing these things together, as difficult as many of them can be. So help us get out there and and share as you see fit. We'd love to continue meeting new people through the podcast. Of course, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and we have a private Slack page for our patrons. Check us out on Patreon if you want to support the work we're doing. We have some really cool things planned, and we so appreciate everyone who contributes. It means the world. Also, check out theairingofgrief.com for further content and opportunities to connect. You can sign up for email updates if you haven't already. We have a special survey coming out this week that we would love to have input on from as many of you as possible. I know a survey doesn't sound super fun, but it's not long and it reveals something really cool about our next season and what it will include. So that's it for now, and we will see you all again next week after church for the airing of grief.